You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And here we are, once again, Yes, in the Nerd Cave, smoking a, a fine cigar. And uh, what are we smoking this week, Brad? Ah, so this week, uh, we are smoking the uh, Palencia Reserva Original. Um, this uh, is going to sport a Nicaraguan binder with Nicaraguan fillers, and uh, the blend consists of also Nicaraguan tobacco. Yep, hey. Straight up Nicaraguan puro, and may have not heard of Placencia, but I've guaranteed you smoke their tobaccos because pretty much they're primarily a you know like a long running tobacco producer, and a lot of the major cigar brands use their their tobaccos, but you know they keep the best of the best for themselves to go into their own cigars, and they've just released several several new. Uh, New cigars to yeah, I'm trying to think like jump on the market. I mean, you know, this cigar stands out just because, you know, it's got three different bands and the uh you know mainly white really contrast with the copper, you know, and brosing um that's on this thing. So I mean it, it, it kinda pops and I don't recall seeing these, but I've never really gone out of my way to look for them either. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've I've picked one of these up. I mean, they've kind of showed up in the shop recently after the big IPCPR. But one of the cool things too is like the like not this particular one, but some of the other ones, like their box, it's also a ashtray. Like the bottom half of the box, like you know, is is an ashtray. So like you can you know use it after you finish smoking all the cigars in it. Well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I was like, like that's pretty pretty badass little uh little item. Yeah, so I'm gonna say uh this one is probably a a light to medium. Uh definitely one of the uh the lighter cigars that we've uh gotten into, but um I don't know, I'm I'm kinda finding myself like I, I used to think light cigars, you know, I, I had the perception that there wasn't much flavor, but this here actually has a lot of flavor to it. And I guess that's why they're so, you know, renowned, you know? I mean, heck, Exits. they were back, you know, over five centuries ago when the Europeans uh, arrived at the New World, so. <laughs> I mean, I guess they've, uh... Yeah, it has the very same taste. I'm not the European, Europeans. <laughs> yeah, they say this has supposed to have, you know, notes of nuts, fruits, caramel, and nuances of marzipan and hints of cedar, which I don't know if I've ever had a marzipan, so I can't tell you what that tastes like, but... Yeah, for a something that's kind of on the the lighter scale, there is a ton of flavor in these. This well, thing. there we go. I guess now we're going to um, you know search for some marzipan and you know eat some. Ah, that was that thing they were talking about. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> and, uh, Intriguing. I'm noticing that now. <laughs> yeah, because it's very easy to make a a light cigar and it be just like you're smoking air. Yes. I mean, I've had a few like you know really light Connecticut's that just did not have any kind of. Yeah, might as well be smoking a cigarette, but yeah, you know, I don't mind a, a you know, a lighter cigar when it's 
you know, has plenty of, of flavor. If it's, if it's not the, you know, strength keeping me entertained, it's got to have, you know, something to like, oh. Yeah, so I mean, you know, here at the Cigar Nerds, we're trying to, you know, branch out, not just bring you guys powerhouse after powerhouse after powerhouse after powerhouse after. I mean, yeah, that's a nice. How many episodes have we done now? Uh, 125. Okay, so with 125 (laughs) episodes, I would say 120 have been, you know, pretty much powerhouses. We've we've done five non-powerhouse, so we're we're trying to branch (laughs) out, you know, bring some variety to the mix. This would be a nice like morning cigar with a nice, you know, cup of coffee, yeah. Watching the watching the sunrise. Be great to pair with some marzipan. Yep. <laughs> marzipan. <laughs> Fucking Google marzipan. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> quick to the Googles. Uh, a while ago, we did an episode about a you know, and we typically not fans of reboots or remakes, but there was one kind of shining exception from 2017: a remake of a little movie called. It that kind of we didn't want to like. Is it going to be that good? Because yeah, freaking Tim Curry Pennywise was the shit back in the day. But surprisingly, it chapter one was a damn good movie. I believe we talked about it on the show. Well, here we are. It chapter two, and I, I found out what marzipan is. What is it? So marzipan is basically a candy-like mixture. It's uh, finely ground almonds with sugar, corn syrup, and egg whites. Mm, interesting. Yep. So, uh, yeah. and if you're gonna like get some marzipan and go fight an evil clown, you should call in the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code Cigarners for twenty percent off your order. Use that twenty percent savings to go buy you some marzipan. <laughs> and if you have to crawl into the sewer chasing a clown. Comes in tiny little tin pouches, easy to easy to carry with you on your adventures. And with that, we'll be right back with some Pennywise. Allow me to introduce myself. They call me the Dancing Clown. And you must be Georgie. Did you hear my circus was in town? It seems I have your bow here. The storm blew her off track. Just reach your hands down here and take it. If you really want it now. Oh, Georgie. You can trust me, sweet child. Step right this way. I'll make your service with a smile. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I texted you yesterday and was like, hey, I'm about to go get my float on. You're like, where are you tubing? <laughs> I totally thought you were going to like a freaking, because uh, I've been wanting to do the uh, deprivation tanks, like the float ta- float tanks. So I'm going to get my float on. I'm like, cool, weird. And then I'm like, then when you're like, I just got out of the movie. I'm like, oh, I freaking <laughs> thought you were floating. <laughs> it totally like blew past my mind that you were talking about making a fucking hit reference. Yes, yeah. Yeah, when... uh. <laughs> When you call IT for the first time for some support and it doesn't work, sometimes it takes a second call and they escort you to tier two. Now we have yet chapter two. <laughs> and you've waited on hold for so long that you've turned from a young teenager into a full grown ass adult. Twenty seven 
Yeah, I can't believe this first one came out in uh, 2017. I mean, it doesn't seem that that long, long, right? I mean, that was the thing. I was like, uh, you know, like, I I go back and I think about, you know, some of the remakes and, you know, stuff of of horror movies. And I'm like, it hasn't been out that long. Oh, that was 10 years ago. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, this feels like one that should have been, like, you know, one year and then, like, the next year we get the sequel. I mean, hell, the original was a, you know, TV miniseries, so we got, like, the whole story in in a week, so it's... Yeah, this one's kind of spaced out. That's the other thing too. It's like two, nearly a three-hour runtime. Like, was chapter one that long? Uh, I believe that chapter one was pushing those limits. Um, I remember it was chapter one ran so there was so much going on that it didn't seem well, like three hours. I, I mean, it was two hours and twenty-six minutes. Yeah, so we got an extra thirty minutes this time yeah, around. So I mean, but. I don't know, like, there was something about Chapter 1, you know, when it was first getting hyped up and everything else. It's like, oh shit, they're redoing it, like, you know. Um, And then, you know, this one here was intriguing just because, you know, we both anticipated it being told from the story of, you know, an adult perspective. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, that'll be an interesting twist to see everybody all grown up 27 years later, and now they got to confront Pennywise yet again. As like, was the, <laughs> the original, like the original, the original miniseries, it kind of jumped back and forth between the kids and the adults, whereas this time around, it I mean, chapter one just focused on the kids. We never saw the adults. But this second chapter has kind of gone back to that format where we've seen them as adults, but then they ha- they're they having flashbacks to basically their life after fighting Pennywise the first time and, and just kind of little residual things that had happened to them a- along the way that they, as they're, because as you know, when you leave the town, you kind of forget all the fuckery that happens there. So they're slowly kind of regaining their, their memories of, of what previously happened and, and their lives there. So we got a couple little kind of just featurettes of the original kids from the first version of this of this movie. Uh, so it wasn't an entire adult story as we we. Uh, yeah, no, predicted. I mean they they they, they um, you know, kind of you know had some flashbacks and some other things. I I don't know. I mean this one was kind of interesting. You know, I mean like. If you gave Goonies a horror storyline, I mean, you know, it is kind of that tell, um, you know, because it's it's about you know discovery and strength, coming of age, and you know, just uh, you know, trying to take down a a supernatural force, uh, you know, using everything that you know a kid would basically have at their disposal. You know, it's not like oh. Let me rush out and, you know, bring these guns and these weapons and heavy artillery that you're not going to have access to as a kid. Which kind of surprised me that, you know, as adults... Yeah, that you, right there is You my... know, like, nobody had any, like... Anything that if somebody called me and said, Hey, you know, remember bad shit as when we were a kid? Yeah, the details are kind of blurry. Well, there's some shit going down. We need you to come back to town. Like... I feel like I'm probably going to be like, hmm, I should pack a small arsenal. Yeah, because, <laughs> hell, they even have, like, you know, 
the last time around, they at least brought like a slingshot and some rocks and like a freaking, you know, some some iron uh, spears they made from the fence because apparently it didn't like iron. But that's, that was always my biggest problem with it, even in the 80s, is when they come back as full grown-ass adults of all of legal age and they know they're going to go hunt down this demon clown that they dealt with as a child. Not a single one of them brought even like just a freaking, you know, pocket pistol. It was like, hell, they didn't even bring bats or anything. You know, it's like, well, Hey, I found this, this, this freaking iron bar that we, we probably left here the last time we we're here. I'm going to take this with me. But other than that, no preparation. You know, hell even, you know, adult bills, like I'm going to go kill that clown shows up there. Like nothing. No, no, didn't bring nothing to, to, to potentially fight. Cause hell, even if you're like, well, we're dealing with a demon clown, you know, uh, what, you know, weapons aren't going to harm a demon clown. He brings like freaking, you know, redneck psychos that he, he, you know, possesses to like stab your ass, you know, freaking what's his name? Uh, uh, the, the evil kid from when they were, that attacked him when they were kids that grew up and, uh, was <laughs> in an insane asylum. I mean, hell that guy, uh, yeah, gun would definitely, you know, hell, an axe took care of him. You know, like at least bring something for his, like, you know, weird redneck minions. Yeah, I mean, that that was kind of my quip. Now, I mean, granted... Bowers. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, I guess, oh, I'm an artist, and oh, I'm an author. I mean, but at the same time, like, hmm, it just... I don't know. I guess maybe I just have a different philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess you know, I mean, I, I've heard it said, you know, that you might not always win. You might still be killed. But at least be the hard, hardest motherfucker that person's had to kill. <laughs> exactly. And I don't feel like any of these people at any point ever put themselves in that position. Yeah, even if it's like, all right, we got to attack them with, you know, iron or hell. And in the first movie, I think it was uh, silver. Fucking, you can go get some iron, you know, make some iron bullets, some silver bullets or something. I so mean, is hell. it a werewolf then? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, that that that's what that was always the the nemesis to the to the werewolf, right? Silver bullets. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, there were just certain things about that that I was just like, eh. hell. Even in the first movie, they had to kill it with a rock. I mean, this time around, it's like just bad words will hurt its feelings but i mean then again they do say that it's a battle of will yeah so i mean i guess well because i mean and we're jumping way far ahead but uh well i mean i think we're just covering kind of the the the, the premise so if we want to backtrack i guess you know but anyway I mean... like i get the whole like because they're it's you know its power is fear it feeds off fear so it's cinematically it's kind of hard to portray not being afraid weaponized. So them insulting it is pretty much how you have to show that we are no longer afraid of you and we're taking away your power. But it just came, seems like, all right, this thing's giant and eats us, but we're going to call it silly names and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to shrink. <laughs> we're just going to bully it to death, guys. <laughs> yeah, like... uh, we're bringing bullying back. So I mean I I I don't know I mean you know I I said it last night too in a in a text and I was like hey it's not a bad movie it didn't need to be a three hour movie in my opinion 
yeah. Uh, but, you know, last time around we talked about the kids playing, well, the kids. So we've got, uh, you know, like a, uh, and other than Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things the first time around, not a really a lot of known actors, you know, young actors, a lot, a lot of new kids that I hadn't really seen before. But, you know, and Finn cussing in the first one was hilarious after seeing him as, as Mike and uh, Stranger Things. But the adult casting this time, we get Jessica Chastain as, you know, adult Beverly Marsh. You know, freaking Professor X James McAvoy as <laughs> Bill. And probably the perfect adult casting uh, of uh, Richie, uh, which was originally played by Finn Wolfhard, Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live and yes. several movies. That dude definitely looks like he could be, like, uh, <laughs> freaking Finn's dad. <laughs> Throw some glasses on that guy, you're like, fuck, it's the same dude. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I think for the adult casting, I mean, they they did pretty good the as same, far as... like, just, you know, the comedy and shit, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's so much of it, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. If you and I had a crazy cr- clown after us... I could definitely see us shit-talking one another quite a bit throughout this, because, I mean, we're friends, you know? At the end of the day, like, sometimes, you know, you gotta be assholes to one another to, you know, just be like, alright, shit, you're right, or, hey, no, dude, I need you fucking pissed off because, uh, we're about to go toe-to-toe with this motherfucker, so you know what? I need to hit you where it really hurts. Yeah, and we had Jay Ryan is, is, you know, adult Ben, and James Ransom is, uh, Eddie, who in the original one was the the hypochondriac, and Andy Bean is Stanley, but uh, yeah, in the uh, and of course Bill Skarsgård back is is Pennywise the Dancing Clown, aka it. But yeah, the adult relationship between uh, Eddie and Richie was freaking hysterical. Like you said, it's like you're busting each other's balls to like you know, get you like uh, motivated. <laughs> especially when he's like the one like panicking and losing his shit. And he's like, Hey man, you know who almost killed a, a, a an evil clown before he was a teenager is you. He's like, you know, who, uh, you know, freaking, uh, saved, you know, me from whatever. And he's like, who married a woman three times his own body mass. You did. You're, <laughs> you the, bravest balls, You're <laughs> the bravest. <laughs> and then later on when he's like injured and he's like, He's like, I, I gotta tell you something, man. And you think he's gonna have like these like profound last words? He's like, yeah, yeah. What is it? I fucked your mother. <laughs> he's like, I finally got you, asshole. <laughs> After all the. Uh... But I mean, I you know, I mean, I guess that dynamic. I mean, I I don't know. Like, what I, I guess the other thing too is, who the fuck picked up the tab at the Chinese restaurant they went to? <laughs> hmm. Well, they didn't show up, but then, you know, Bill's, like, a, supposedly a famous writer, and then, you know, Ben's now a success... Hell, they're pretty yeah, much... Yeah, but a, fuck the ending, though. Yeah. <laughs> he writes bad endings. But, I mean, hell, they all, like, were kind of successful, you know? Uh, Beverly was a, like, fashion designer. Uh, freaking Richie was, like, a a famous uh, comedian. You know, uh, even... Eddie grew up to be like a, he worked for like a big insurance company or something. He had, and then one guy was like a famous architect. He's like, other than the dude that stayed behind to like watch for the, the clown to come back, they all went off and had like successful 
lives until they got called back to to deal with the shit. I mean, he was just back there doing Old Spice commercials. <laughs> that was the thing, you know, freaking Isaiah Mustafa as as Mike, you know, adult Mike Hanlon. Totally did not recognize that guy. I was so used to him being like shirtless and goateed. It's like <laughs> him kind of like, you know, not just like shirtless and ripped and, you know, I could smell him through like, the theater screen. <laughs> I knew it. I had like no idea it was the same guy. I wore Old Spice deodorant just to make sure that, you know, that's how you create, fight off the clown. Yeah, well, I mean, I was trying to create the ambiance, you know, you know, just add that, you know, additional level of immersion into the <laughs> film. I gotta say, one of the weird things though about this second time around is, first movie seemed other than kind of being a little bit, you know, with the effects and whatnot, being a little a little scarier, a little more hardcore. Because like I said the first one was a TV, so now that we're in film and you can do like a you know, a lot, be a lot more violent and graphic stayed pretty close to the original storyline where this movie seemed to just go off in its own direction. (laughs) I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff in this movie that, you know, other than, you know, them coming back, you know, Stan dying the way he did. And there's a whole lot, you know, like you said, it was a lot longer. It felt like a lot longer film because it was just, you know, Kind of like almost like a brand new story. <laughs> it's like the director was like the first one, like, "Hey, I, I kind of copied the first movie and this was very successful. Now I want to be my own artist and just do something completely well, original." Well, I, I I think they hint at that, you know, in the the scene where he shows up uh, to the production set and it's like, you know, "Hey, have you finished writing, you know, this ending yet?" And he's like, "Well, no." And it's like, "Come on, you needed one extra day to finish this. You know, your ending sucks." You know, like I kind of feel like they were talking about this film. Like that was probably production of this movie, and they were yeah. like, "Hey, we've created this thing, but damn it, we need to go back and rewrite some shit." Because you know, I mean, Stephen King's even in it, so you know he's there, you know, giving, you know, ad- advice and <laughs> he stuff. Even gives, like, gives him shit, dude, because you know, for some reason, this time around. The way they're gonna kill it is they ha- they you know one one guy did a bunch of drugs and met some Indians and went on a vision quest. Basically, Pennywise became a uh, Wendigo. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's in my head an like, alien w- Wendigo. Yeah, once they introduce like the Native American aspect and everything else, I was like, oh fuck, we went full pet cemetery. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, hey, we all we're gonna have to do this Indian ritual that they used to like trap this thing long ago. When it first landed here. But y'all have to go find some kind of totem of your past that we're going to have to sacrifice to. And they send them all off on their own, you know, separating the team. Yet, like, I don't know. Like, if if you told me, Brad, go find a relic of your past. Bro, that's like a 30-year excursion. <laughs> like... Holy fuck. I'm just like, going to magically find something that meant something to me to that one summer after we killed the clown. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, th- this became like the ultimate, like, you know, scavenger hunt. Like, And it was, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of took me out of the story a little well, bit. Well, I mean, like, and that's, that's it. Was it was almost like me. each of them had their own little, like, short story movie like, within the movie. I lost the immersion, and it was during those times that I felt like, you know... You go from action to, I mean, just slow, you know, progression. And it's like, holy fuck, can we get this over with? Like, you know, 
like you know we've had a couple of good jump scares and some other good stuff like let's get this rolling yeah it's like the first time around all the scenes of pennywise coming and and scaring the kids to kind of build his power it kind of felt natural in within the story the progression of the story as the team is kind of coming together and they're all like kind of individually being fucked with but it's like this time it's like all right we're back together now we need to split up and they each have these it's just hey we need to make a cool scary pennywise scene so we're gonna like break y'all up and do these little like small featurettes that was yeah it was kind of kind of felt like you know weird to the storyline and like the it, it freaking starts off with like a fucking hate crime. <laughs> the, the whole movie starts with two gay guys at the county fair getting the shit beat out of them, and one of them thrown in the river, and fucking Pennywise shows him and eats a motherfucker. Like, which is, I mean, the rest of the time he's killing kids. <laughs> you know, and these were like, you know, two dudes are about to get married and stuff, and it was like, it was kind of just weird. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess maybe they were trying to. I mean, set they, they the... do a good job of showing that this town's full of shitheads, but I I don't know. Maybe they were just trying to set the precedence that hey, this is an older, less politically correct era where you know it was taboo and frowned upon for but this, you know that scene took place in like modern time well that... i mean that's what i'm saying well <laughs> yeah but i mean even with modern times though i mean that's still i mean that was the trigger for you know him doing something big and splashy for mike to you know hey everybody he's back we need you know he you know bloodied up a bridge and said come home come home so he uh he summoned everybody back but you would think this you know having a kid disappear would have been the same you know, something similar to uh, to Georgie going missing. But yeah, it's just let's just. But I mean, apparently, you know, crime. Mike had already had like you know a whole book of random shit that's occurred. You know, that's like, look, this is you know not explainable. This is not explainable. Like these these are all patterns that we saw as as kids. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I I didn't get the impression too that. All of that stuff had just started occurring recently. Like yeah. I felt like that was stuff that had continued to be happening, but it took twenty six or twenty seven years for him to compile and you know finally say, "Hey, I saw red balloons and I saw a message." Like yeah, it's like it's finally like escalated to a, a point where it's like it's about to like start happening a lot. Yeah, but that whole like sequence is just kind of. <laughs> It's kind of weird. I did like when he goes to get the uh, uh, freaking what's his name uh, the the bad guy uh, the the one that uh, you know freaking picked on them all. Oh, uh, Bowers. Yeah, Bowers. Out of the because you know in the first movie he murdered his father, and it you know it started off with what happened to him after the, their fight in the in the sewer. He flushes out like the turd he is, and goes back home. And, of course, all the cops are there because he's, like, you know, killed his father, and he ends up in a mental you know, ward for the last 27 years. But when he's sitting there just, you know, you know, freaking playing, a game, doing whatever he was doing, and he looks out and sees the balloon, he's like, ah, yes, it's my time. And he's, like, you know, super happy and, like, following the, uh, the balloon through the windows. And when they finally, like, lock him in his room, you know, 
his like the balloon under the bed and it was such like horrific shit mixed with like this weird comedic moments he starts pulling on the balloon it won't come out and it's like squeaking and it's like you know makes me laugh and then he finally pulls it out and there's like a fucking zombie under the bed comes crawling out at him and he's like shit you know yeah, it was like his buddy that Pennywise had killed. And he's like, brought you your knife. And he's like, all right, cool. And then later on, he breaks out. And the dude's just like, you know, freaking driving the car. Just, yeah, it's like, man, don't get in a car with a zombie. Those motherfuckers can't drive. <laughs> or can they? Yeah. The day the dead drive. I mean, you might need to put some air fresheners in the car, but having a uh, a zombie chauffeur would be kind of boss. I mean, you show up for like a metal concert and you're, you know, you got like a zombie and like a tuxedo driving your, uh, driving you around. That'd be pretty sweet. I don't know. I mean, we are getting the second zombie land, so maybe we'll see some of that. That may just be quirky enough. Yes. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, then the, but uh, back to, uh, uh, freaking Mike's or not Mike, uh, uh, Billy's vision quest when he has to go off on a, on a solo excursion. It's like walking through town, he finds an antique shop and his bicycle from when he was a kid's in the window. And he goes in there and freaking Stephen King is the uh, <laughs> proprietor of the uh, <laughs> of the little antique shop. And he's, and of course, you know, Bill's grown up to be a, a writer, but every time he gets scared, he reverts back to, ha- you know, stuttering and stuff. And he's like, I want the ba ba ba. And he's like, Beaver? Bookshelf? <laughs> Bubble gum. Bubble gum. He's like, the fucking bicycle. He's like, hey, if you're going to use uh, language like that, you can take it outside. Uh, he's like, sorry. He's like, he's like, yeah, no, you're that famous rider. He's like, uh, yeah, if you want to buy that bike, yeah, you can afford it. He's like, all right, fine. $300. You can afford it. He's like, all right. And he knows it's like the guy's got his book on the desk. He's like, so do you want an autograph? He's like, nah, ending sucked. <laughs> he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, but it's kind of cool when Stephen King shows up and, yeah, because he's always got like a little cameo in all his, you know, movies, or at least the ones he approves of. What's with, uh, what's with S's and cameos? Stanley, epic cameos. Stephen King, epic cameos. Mm. Seen a trend. I mean, we've lost Stan. That's going to be the next thing. It's like freaking Stephen King starts showing up in all the Marvel movies. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could happen. I mean, I don't know. It's farther stretches from the truth. That was the thing, too, when they're all like, we have to find a totem that we're going to destroy as a sacrifice. He gets the bicycle. I'm like, how the fuck are they going to burn that bicycle and that little little, uh, (laughs) totem thing they got? (laughs) But no, he rides his bike and finds his old house and then finds the sewer grate where Pennywise killed his brother and happens to get his... You know, never stick your hand in a sewer grate. Uh, yeah, you, you apparently it's it's perfectly safe. You know, because twenty six years and it's still there. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a very dry town. <laughs> yeah, but he, he gets his his brother's little little boat. Because I feel like paper would not last that long in those conditions. <laughs> I mean, it was wax to be waterproof. But yeah, then they got that one little the the random kid that keeps showing up because. <laughs> That was other thing when they when they they come back together at the Chinese restaurant and all the little like creatures start coming out of the freaking uh, the fortune cookies <laughs> and they're having like it's like a bad acid trip. He's like fucking fortune cookies looking at me. 
<laughs> like the little tentacled eyeball comes out <laughs> and the lady comes in and they're like just beating the table with a chair and he's like uh is everything all right yeah yeah we need the check <laughs> and they go to leave and the kid's like hey the fun has just begun he's like what you, you fucking play with me yeah i'm freaking gonna, about to punch the kid he's like no dude that was the your catch line from your last special oh yeah <laughs> Thinks it's freaking Pennywise. I don't write my own material. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> it's like I fucking knew it. <laughs> uh, and then that's that same kid shows up, happens to be living in Bill's house, and he's like, "Stay the fuck away from that surrogate. If you hear voices out of that surrogate, st-. he's like, I don't. I hear him out of the you know the drain in the house. And he's like, dude, you, you tell your parents to get you the fuck out of this town. And then homeboy gets eaten in the uh, the hall of mirrors. <laughs> I mean, I've been in rooms, Hall of Mirrors. I've never found them to be that difficult, though. <laughs> oh. Like, I mean... Plus two, like... I felt like that was like a warehouse size Hall of Mirrors. Like, that could not exist in that space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a... yeah. It's like a labyrinth, you know? And it's like, how did you fit that in, you know, this 18-wheeler trailer? Yeah, I've I've been to the city, the the haunted house of the city fair, and it's like you know, inside of a you know something three like rows of mirrors. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> this thing was like you know like freaking Six Flags or something like gigantic on the inside. It was a fucking TARDIS uh, house, and then you have probably the weirdest thing is the. I remember we 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 called it before. What was the movie we were watching where he said this is going to be the summer of Grandma Titties? Oh, yeah. Uh, what was that movie? Um, was it Hellboy? <laughs> yeah, it might have been Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, of course we get, you know, the, the uh, you know, Beverly goes back to her house to... to... Which, I mean, you kind of got a glimpse of it, you know, if you watched any of the trailers, you know. Yeah. It's like, of course it wasn't shown on the trailer, but, you know, it's like... From that first trailer, I'm like, oh, this was about to be the summer of Grandma Titties. We're going to see Grandma Titties again, because... Yeah, it's like her, she goes back to her house, which th- this is one. The, the, I think you know something similar to that happened in in the first movie, but yeah, she goes to her house, and you know her dad apparently is has gone, and you know there's an old lady living her. So she she says, oh yeah, come on in, you know we'll make you some tea, have a look around, and she goes and finds like her her love letter postcard that she got. <laughs> it's like, the old lady cigarettes. doesn't notice that, uh, you know, hey, this bitch is ripping apart my baseboards. <laughs> like... But all the little scenes, like, that's probably one of the the creepiest scenes. I mean, a lot of the jump scares didn't get me. I laughed a lot of them, but that, when, like, you know, where she's digging around, and you see the old lady, like, down the hallway just making creepy, creepy movements and shit. Watch and, out, Grandma, you'll throw out a hip. Yeah. And then, you know, when she comes in and like you know making the tea, it's like oh I got and just kind of like no one ever really you know stays dead here, hee hee. And then like the creepy pause, like oh I'll go make you some cookies. And as she's like you know up and like looking at the photos, and you see like naked lady just like walk across <laughs> the, the the freaking kitchen door real quick. And it's like the the kitchen area just starts getting darker and darker. And then you see like little naked old lady ass run by, and all of a sudden like this giant naked grandma monster comes running out of the <laughs> out of the kitchen. I'm like, yep, there it is. Summer I don't know. I, I gotta say that, you know, there were quite a few moments, like, leading up to the jump scares that, for some reason, 
I lost immersions. Like, a couple of them got Rachel, which is not really surprising, because she's just jumpy like that anyway at loud noises. But, you know, I, I don't think any of them got me. Now, I, I did have a kid, you know, he's probably eight years old, sitting on one side <laughs> of me. And, you know, like, you could tell he was a horror fan. And, um, you know, like, he he's cheering and shit. But, I mean, you know, he was letting out, you know, fucking girly high-pitched screams during, you know, the four or five good jump scare moments. And uh, oh, the little girl. That was kind of interesting. The little girl when uh, the, at the, uh, at the uh, like, baseball game who follows, the, instead of following a balloon, follows a, a firefly underneath the bleachers. And, of course, Pennywise, he's like, you know, she's like, you're scary. And he's like, oh, he starts crying. He's like, everyone says I'm scary. It makes fun of my face. And she's like, yeah, I get you. People make fun of my face, too, because she has, like, a big, like, birthmark. And she's like, he's like, oh, I can just blow that right off. I'm like, don't go in there, kid. He's going to blow your whole head off. <laughs> she's like, really? She's like, yeah, we got to be closer to see, and you might see my face. He's like, okay. He's like, all right, on the count of three. One, two. And then he stops. He's like, aren't you supposed to say three? And then he just comes out and bites her head off. That one, like, Amanda jumped in. <laughs> she's like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Yeah, like the only one that kind of gave me a little bit jump is when when they started following uh, uh, Richie's uh, little vision quest, where he goes back to like the theater where he was, you know, playing Street Fighter Two, and that was another thing too. They like suddenly made him like gay, like he had like a secret crush on on Eddie the the whole time, and him like kind of hitting on some random dude at the at the arcade, and everyone's like, you know freaking calling him gay and shit. I'm like, that was just kind of, I don't remember them kind of implying that in the first movie. So it just kind of seemed like a weird turn of events, you know? And then he goes like the park after this, you know, you know, after, after all the kids made fun of him and the Paul Bunyan statue comes alive. That was the one where I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> Cause he's like, he's like, you know, here's a noise and like looks up and it, the statue's gone and looks over and it's like right in his face and open his mouth and like bats and shit come out. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but then that was cool. He's getting chased around the park by a giant like Paul Bunyan. I was like, what the hell? But then he's like, yo, that was one of those moments too. Like, a like after the initial scare, it just got funny. And when he finally is like, it's not real, it's not real. And it goes away and he's like, he's lays there and he's like, I definitely just shit my pants. <laughs> I don't so know. A lot See, of the like jump scares like just were funny to me. See, I don't understand how you have just a Paul Bunyan, and you don't have a babe. Like, you've got to have a babe, because, I mean, it's yeah. the blue ox. I mean, you know, that's that's iconic. Like, I felt like something with an ox should have happened in that, you know. I mean, they could have teamed up. He would have never got away if, if he was getting chased by a demonic Paul Bunyan and his ox. Yes. I like, mean, they could have done a little two-on-one, and kid with a never never made it out and i do like the joke that you know so he takes the token from the arcade machine as his like token and when they go to like do the ceremony and they're all pulling out the things that they're gonna burn he pulls out he's like dude you brought an actual token he's like that was what we were told to do <laughs> he's like it's literal my token's a token motherfucker <laughs> but then the girl with her when pennywise disguises himself as uh as uh, Beverly and uh, starts chasing the young Ben around the around the school with her with her head on fire, that was kind of a creepy ass effect. I, I you know I said I do give him props for that one. That but was the, mean, that was the biggest high school locker I've ever seen. I mean that was the thing too. Is she uh, was bigger in my first apartment? You know, like 
you enter the one locker that's your own and everything else. Like, I don't understand, like, when people get trapped in schools, like, why would you confine yourself to a place that has no exit strategery? Like, <laughs> and, like, I don't know, do they make, were lockers bigger in the 80s? Because I always see movies where people get bullied and shoved in a locker. My locker was, like, just as wide as a book. Like, there's no way a human could fit in Well, not only that, but then, like, you know, most of them had shelves, too. So, yeah. I mean... Because that thing, it's like a being inside of a closet. He's got, like, you know, new kids on the block posters hanging in there. I mean, <laughs> I can remember, like, um, some gym closets, because they were designed, you know, to hold football gear and stuff yeah. like that. You know, once we got into, uh, I guess, maybe middle school, that, you know, if if you were smaller than the average kid... You could probably get crammed in the bottom of one of those, but, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, then again, like, I guess people that were bullies, like, I guess I did a, just a good job of figuring out that, hey, you're a bully, you're a bully, so I'm going to sort of kind of, you know, be friends with you, like, you know. I'm going to I'm gonna tell you you're an asshole, but I guess because I'm going to, you know, have the balls to tell you you're an asshole, there's going to be some sort of unspoken agreement that you don't fuck with me, I don't fuck with you, and we just, you know, go on about our lives. Yeah, exactly. The first person that, like, tried to pick on me in high school, I punched him in the face. Then after that, it was like, all right, we're not going to pick on that guy. He's not a sheep. We're <laughs> going to go go to the other kids that aren't going to fight back. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, and then the... He said, yeah, the Mike, you know, the old school street fighter and getting chased by demonic Paul Bunyan, which was... And I guess we're not cool going to, you know... Say anything about, uh, you know, Beverly's promiscuousness. It's like, oh, I think you wrote the letter, so I love you. Oh, but you really wrote the letter, so now I love you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, the whole time she's like, well, Bill's the writer. He had to be the one that wrote me the love letter. And, of course, the the fat kid's like, oh, she's like, yeah, I wrote her a love love note, but I didn't sign it. So now I'm a dumbass and, and she's <laughs> falling for the other guy. And he, but he finally, and, he, and the whole even as a grown ass man, he's got he's lost weight, and you know, Pennywise gives him shit too, and he's like, you know, he's like all the weight you lost, all the sit ups you done, all the all the money you made doesn't mean anything because it's still inside. You're 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 a little sad fat kid, and he doesn't have the balls to like you know tell her like no, I'm I'm the one who wrote you the damn letter until like they're both about to die, and he finds like I love you, and then she like you know goes from being that was one thing too. Her character was like abused you know both physically and you know got like a you know grabby daddy but you know she manned up fought off the clown and you thought she and you know and even like you know set up to her father at one point in the first movie we jumped to her her future self and she's in a abusive relationship and is kind of just fallen into that same problems she had as a kid but then she you know beats the shit out of the dude and leaves. So like, all right, you know, you know, she's got some, got some balls and, you know, and then, you know, she gets trapped in the, the toilet full of blood and, you know, fights her way out. And I, I mean, she definitely became a badass. She, 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 she backslid a little, but she was like, you know, fuck this clown. <laughs> Are you down with the clown? <laughs> Fucking ICP. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> Freaking homeboy, uh, um, I, I like when, like, 
the one who kind of, I guess, had the most growth, Eddie, because he in the first one he was the one that was, you know, the hypochondriac and was even like, you almost got me killed, kill this fucking clown, Ed. But you know, when he goes on his vision quest and goes back to the the pharmacist and it shows the him like, you know, thinking his mom is in like the creepy pharmacy basement which did a good job of someone who's a hypochondriac goes in there and there's like packets of blood and dirty needles and his mom's all sticky and tied to a table and there's like a a freaking you know leper that's gonna you know that makes out with her which was exceedingly gross (laughs) as a kid and he he freaking you know freaks out and leaves her there well when he comes back and you know gets attacked by the the same the same uh gross guy but he he's like fuck this starts choking the dude out. And he's like, yeah, he's finally like, you know, yeah, it took him 30 years, but his balls finally dropped. And then like, he just blows goo in his face (laughs) and it starts playing that song. And I'm like, it went from being like horrific to hilarious. Yes. (laughs) Like I said, a lot of these scary moments that are like, all of a sudden it's like, now it's a comedy. It, it, it was kind of just incongruous, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it did a good job of, um, you know, not taking itself too seriously. Or, you know, I, I I guess the psychological aspect of that is, okay, give them the scare, now get them relaxed, and we'll set them up for the, uh, you know, the next scare. Yeah, but I don't know, it, it, at the same time, like, I, I enjoyed it, because like I said, it, the scary shit doesn't get me that, that much, but it also kind of takes you out of the story. I mean, it's like, I mean, the, you know, adding the, the weird musical, you know, music behind him getting slimed and shit just I'm like is this a fucking horror movie or is this a comedy it like cannot cannot make up its damn mind yeah no I I definitely get that and I I don't know like I guess reasons like that is why I was like it was good but I don't know for some reason there was something about the first film that just you know I was you know was a lot more amped up for. Yeah, I was like the first definitely seemed. I mean, it had its comedic moments, but it was also like just more like I guess horrific. And this one had like some good like effects wise and shit, but it seemed like they just ramped up the comedy, and it was just kind of felt inappropriate <laughs> with the the, the horror the like the horrible stuff is like they've almost turned it into a horror comedy like you're like the comparison to zombie land was kind of kind of apt um and i do like the whole running ju- the the one where the comedy almost went like too far with but i i loved it i thought it was hilarious was you know when they do the the ceremony and it turns out to like do nothing. It was all kind of a bullshit, you know, and they all run away from Pennywise and all kind of get trapped in their own little, little, you know, hellscape for him to try to, you know, scare them one more time. And Mike, I not Mike, uh, Eddie and, uh, and Richie end up together and they're running down this hallway from like a, you know, Pennywise snake thing. I think it's the three doors, and it's like, scary. not scary at all, scary, or very scary. 
And it's like, it's gotta be a trap, so let's choose the one that says very scary. And it's like, just a lower lower torso, like, dancing in in the closet, too, which I think was another kind of reference to him, like, you know, keeps like, I know your secret, you're really gay, which, what the fuck ever, dude? (laughs) But, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, so, I think what this film attempted to do... Now, I haven't read anything about this actually being a thing. But I think this film is designed to be much more psychological in keeping the things that you're most afraid of bottled up and inside you. You know, almost like the never-ending story, right? Where, like, it's the guilt that, you know, one harnesses that allows you to be, you know, sucked into the quicksand and everything else. So if you're guilt-free, you can kind of pass through, you know, with ease. Um, Whereas, you know, like, Pennywise, like, harboring those, you know, internal secrets and the fear of those escaping is what allows them to have so much power. Yeah, but it just seemed weird because there was there was no kind of reference to it in the first movie that I that I remember, and it's 2019. Like, who cares if you're gay? Like, is like <laughs> would it be that big of a a reveal for him to like you know? Tell but I mean, I think you know they were still just... trying to keep it. Like I, I I don't know you know like I I felt like things were so much more present time until they went back to Deary. Yeah, and it, and it was almost yes, like I a... get it. It's small town. But it's like, you know, all of a sudden we took it out of modern times and reset it back to the 1980s. Yeah. And that's, you know... But I like, because earlier he's like, you know, one of Mike's is like, the only way we can attack it is if it's in its true form. And he's like, I hope its true form's a Pomeranian. You know, something small like that. And when they go, he's like, no, no, it's a trap. We gotta go for the very scary, because the not scary is totally gonna be a trap. And so you get the dancing lower severed torso and he's like nope that's wrong let's go to the <laughs> let's go back to the not scary and they open it and it is a pomeranian and they're like no i think it's definitely evil that's a fucking trap <laughs> he's like wait a minute sit boy <laughs> and then, like the snake's up he's like all right wait a minute sit and he's like oh it did sit it's so cute and then it turns into like a big monster he's like oh fuck we were right <laughs> i mean that whole sequence was just freaking funny to me but i wonder what was in the he's like and he's like Fuck you. Next time we're going for the regular scary. <laughs> uh, it was just the most ridiculous se- sequence. It is like, it was hilarious. It was not, didn't but, fit I mean, really I guess, into the story, but it was hilarious. Well, I mean, in, in a way, I guess it does. I mean, you know, you got Pennywise, the, the clown. You've got, you know, the, the fun house and everything else. I mean, you know, I guess if you're a demonic clown, then, you know, that's... You gotta bring some demonic humor to the table. I guess. And then they had that, uh, when they're about to go into the house, uh, to, to face him for the first time. I just love that. Like I said, you know, Bill Hader did a good job of playing an adult version of, of Richie. Cause it, he still had that same kind of weird sense of humor that, uh, that full Wolf Finhard had in the, uh, in the first one where he's like, you know, should somebody say something before again? He's like, I think Richie said it best the last time. He's like, what? That we sh- Good thing we're not having a dick measuring contest? He's like, no, the other thing. Let's kill this fucking clown? Yeah, yeah, that. He's like, oh yeah, let's kill this fucking clown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, I was like, 
that like I said, Bill Hader is is hilarious no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, you know, like I said, I think they they kind of used those comedic moments as a bit of misdirection to better set up for you know some of the other you know scare tactics. And I gotta say too, you know, Bill Hader's always great as a as a comedy guy, but when you know Eddie gets gets injured and and then eventually dies. He did a very good job of playing like the emotional side of that. And like, yeah, I didn't know that guy had that kind of range as an actor. Cause I've only ever seen him do comedic stuff, but you know, when he's like kind of in denial, you know they that, brought in a stunt double for that, right? Probably. <laughs> Cause you know, when he's in denial of, of Eddie dying and then like afterwards when they all get out and he just kind of has that breakdown. Cause as we, we find out he was, you know, cause at one point it showed him as a kid carving, his initials into a board, but you don't see the other person's initials they put. And at the end, you, know, you see him go back and finish what he had started and put the E that, you know, he was actually in love with Eddie all this time and, you know, never, you know, told him it, but yeah, I mean, he, he did a very good job of like preparing the emotional side of all that, that, you know, not just the, the weird ass comedy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's a better actor than I thought he was. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe going back to, you know, that very first scene you talked about, you know, before the actual hate crime ensues and you see, you know, the two characters happen, you know, happy and everything else and maybe that was supposed to be the the foreshadowing for, you know, maybe if, you know, he was able to put his fear aside and, you know, embrace, you know, who he truly was, the type of life he could have had. The hate crime is the type of life that he's going to have. And, you know, and that definitely makes his, you know, growing up in that environment, making his decision to keep all that a secret more reasonable, I guess. Cause like this day and age, like you don't really see why anybody would, you know, still be afraid to like, you know, <laughs> talk about those things but yeah that makes him a whole lot more sense you know showing how backwoods and kind of old old world that town still is because it very much you know still the 80 and it was like this the little touches too where they go to their secret clubhouse and there's like the lost boys like <laughs> photo on the wall and even the old theater it's got like you know nightmare, nightmare on, on street, street five, five <laughs> on the yes. marquee <laughs> i was like oh yeah it's like just the just the little 80s throwbacks yeah. We're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street a little bit later in Nerd News, by the way. Woohoo! Um, so, we might see some additional marquees. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Foreshadowing. See what I did there? <laughs> that's that's much like what the film did to us. Oh. But, yeah, I, I, you know, all in all, not a bad film. I just, um, you know... I felt like there were, you know, um, when Eddie gets stabbed in the face <laughs> and then goes into the shower and the dude's like, hey, give my fucking knife back. And he stabs him through the shower curtain. And it's like, all right, that dude's not such a pussy. <laughs> you know, he's like, pulled a knife out of his own face and stabs a guy. I'm like, yeah, he may be a hypochondriac, but yeah, he command and he, and he's the one that, you know, injures Pennywise and, and saves, uh, 
saves Richie, and he's like, dude, you see that? I totally almost killed that clown! And then gets speared, but, you know, <laughs> that was the dude that's like, you know, just, you know, man No up good hard, deed man. goes unpunished, Joe. Yeah, yeah, never turn your back on your enemy until you're sure he's dead. <laughs> or you'll get a giant spider claw through your back. Especially if it's named Pennywise. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that I say effects wise though. I mean, this movie had some like just, like just great, disgusting moments. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing is, um, you know, they did a great job of you know both practical and CGI, and there wasn't like any scenes that I was like, oh my god, this just you know is absolutely terrible. You know, like sometimes you know with the combination of practical and then they try to, you know, digitize stuff and you'd be like, oh, that didn't work at all. But, you know, there were never, like, at least the the initial watch through. I mean, the, when Pennywise turns into the giant spider, it was a little cartoonish, but it fit the character. I mean, that's his whole thing is he's a giant demonic cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, you know, the, the original Tim Curry turning into an actual spider thing was a little bit creepier, but... But, yeah, it, it definitely, uh, yeah did not, you know, take away from it that much. But I'll tell you one thing, you know, when, when she fishes the guy out of the river and eats him, like, if, if I'm drowning in a river and I look and I see a clown on the bank offering my, I'm just going to drown. I am not taking that dude's hand. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm going to learn to swim, bro. We're good. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to start going toward the other bank. Yeah, you know, I'm like, no. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to get in the, which, I mean, you know, you just been, nearly beaten to death i mean you know you're probably not thinking hey i should remain in a a sitting position so my feet you know bounce me off the rocks but i mean then again like you and i i i guess are relatively outdoorsy folks you know or at (laughs) least we've been out in the woods enough to be like hey these are some of the basic things that you should do so if i'm in an unfamiliar body of water, such as a river, and, you know, I'm off my rocker or my tube, whatever the case is, like, I want any part other than my head to hit first. <laughs> well, he wasn't conscious when he got thrown in. But I yeah, mean, that's what was... I'm saying, is, like, you know, you're probably not in the the best mental state, but, yeah, I mean, if I can distinguish that, hey, there's a creepy clown motherfucker over there, you know. Unless he's offering me fried chicken, I'm not going. <laughs> uh, and and you know the other lesson: if you're gonna fight a demon clown, take a gun. <laughs> it's like it's like I love that skit from Black Rifle Coffee. I mean, take some actual knives. Take something. Yeah. I mean, you're adults. Like you can go to the store and get these things. Like yeah. a baseball bat. Yeah, hell, even you know, you know, homeboy from Stranger Things had the baseball bat with the with the nails in it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> take something. <laughs> Don't just go in hoping the giant man-eating clowns is going to... You're just going to be able to box them or something. And that's what I hate about modern zombie movies, too. Like, there's been so many zombie movies, and every one of them, it's like, we don't know what these things are! Like, motherfucker! Like, it's set in the year 2012. Like, you've never seen a zombie film before? Like, <laughs> We've got 50 years of zombie yes, movies to learn like, from. come on! Like, <laughs> it's certain like, things like that that I'm just like... It's like, we have to erase zombies from pop culture before this zombie movie... Uh, Seems plausible. <laughs> uh, but it, it's like that, that skit from Black Rifle where it's 
where they're where it's like their Hall- Halloween video they did last year where they're gonna fight off all the you know like if veterans and in horror movies and the one where Evan Hafer's there with like the tactical shotgun he's like I'm super scared of clowns I totally don't have a shotgun <laughs> and the clown shows up and he's like shoots pops his balloon and shoots him in the face I'm like yeah <laughs> that would be me and it I'm like killer clowns sweet <laughs> or I guess you know maybe. Maybe if they did have the weaponry, then maybe that makes them seem, you know, less vulnerable or something, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I guess, you know, certain people automatically see guns, and it's like, oh, he's got a gun, there's no way he can lose. It'd be like, no, there's some paranormal shit, like, bullets don't stop everything. <laughs> but at least it might slow it down. <laughs> I mean, you shoot Jason in the nuts enough time, yeah, it's, it's gonna at least slow him down enough. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. At least make me feel better. <laughs> at least you could say you tried yeah so as we wrap this up is there any like we've kind of talked about the good and the bad and you know is there what's your kind of overall you know thought on this was it as good as the original you know, or... and, and in my opinion uh, I don't think so and I, I think for me is the progression you know there were you know several moments to where it just, you, like you said, you completely lost immersion. And, you know, who knows? You know, maybe. But it was like, come on, let's let's move it along now. Because I, I feel like we would get a little bit of story. And then all of a sudden, the little bit of story that we got would be put on pause for five individual things to happen. Yeah. And then, you know, from there, then it's like, okay, well, we're going to regroup. Okay. Now the group's disbanded again, and we got five individual things happening again. Like, you know, it was... Yeah, very disconjointed. Yeah, it kind of, you know, just left me feeling like, yeah, like this thing was just pieced together, kind of, you know, just wrong in my opinion. It's like, you know, we could have omitted those 30 minutes, and, you know, and in my head, once you cross, like, the two-and-a-half-hour threshold... Like you, you better have all of my attention at that point. Otherwise, like that's yeah. that's about my. I'm I'm starting to tune out. I'm I'm noticing you know the sunlight coming in underneath the exit doors of the theater. Why why did we not close that curtain prior to the screening? <laughs> like, you know I'm noticing shit going on, and yeah, and that's we've... one of the reasons why I I don't always like going to a theater is because I can find myself getting distracted by just the overall atmosphere of a theater so uh for me it wasn't bad could i have waited and you know have watched this at home yeah would i have been disappointed i don't really think so <laughs> like this is one that i i just you know like if you're on the fence about it i'd say wait on the dvd release or something and enjoy it at home if you've got a nice surround sound and you know a decent sized television if you don't have that and it's like well i hate watching movies at home okay then you got limited time to do it but spring and go see it in theaters i guess you know but it's not one that i'm gonna say hey you absolutely need to see this in theaters in order to get the full experience yeah, I kind of rather have gone and seen Rambo: Last Blood, <laughs> which I might have to see sometime this week. But yeah, it the first movie I liked I, the the first version of it. Like I said it was it was scary. It had it had a, a couple funny moments in it. 
but it it would seem true to the original source material with just a, some some you know a little bit more you know horror added into it. Where this one, it was like it couldn't decide if it was a horror movie or a comedy, and it, like and it was like like we said, very disconjoined in storytelling, where it didn't seem like a consistent story. It was just a whole bunch of little stories, you know, kind of squeezed together. Where like I said, it just kind of and you know where the first one was like i said kind of followed the story the original story this one other than some key it's plot almost points, like they tried to go seem like they tried to go off and do a whole like original an original thing it's like they 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 tried to go in a different artistic direction like you know introducing comedy introducing you know so many different elements and it's like you know, Pennywise will sell itself. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you don't need to do all the other stuff in order to make this a great film. Or, you know, like... And Pennywise is a whole much, whole much creepier when he's, like, in something dark and scary. Having him show up in, like, the daylight in the middle of the park just... It's like, eh, it's a fucking clown. Yeah, it's just, just didn't. Yeah. yeah, it's not like a mime appeared or anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just. I think they just kind of missed the mark on on this as worth seeing. I don't know if it was worth you know seeing in theaters. I mean, it was enjoyable, maybe, but just if a little long. It's kind of. I mean, we've watched some movies that are like pushing the three hour mark that don't feel like a three hour movie because it keeps yeah. you locked in. Where this one was like, all right, is this thing over yet? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because I'll, you know, like, Avengers Endgame, I think, you know, was right at the three-hour, maybe a little bit longer or something. Now, you know, that was one that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, you know, I I didn't find myself, like, looking, you know, or being distracted by what's going on around me as much. Um, This one, uh, you know, I think if they could have hit the two-and-a-half-hour mark... It would have been great, but, like, that additional 20-some-odd minutes, like, you know. Yeah, I may need to tighten up the story, storytelling a little. So, uh, what's your uh, final thoughts on this here, Placencia? It will not be my last one. Yeah, it's a damn good Um, it, It's book. got a good flavor. Um, You know, like we've already stated, it is, um, you know, I, I would say medium, light to medium, uh... But, you know, there's there, there's complexity. I mean, I can taste a little bit of uh, nuttiness and um, some earthiness. And, um, you know, this is a, uh, like you Jeez, said, nuttiness. this this would be a, a probably a, I don't know about coffee, because I, I kind of feel like the coffee I drink would just absolutely overpower this cigar. <laughs> um, but, you know, after I've had my cup of coffee and, you know, everything, like, this would be a great cigar to start your day at Dragon Con. Yeah, a good a good wake and bake smoke. Ah, with that, let's float on to the next segment. I'm a shapeshifting clown in Dairytown. I'm the loser's found. My sewer lair deep underground. History, I've been dancing through. Every 27 years I'll eat your crew. Not much you can do. I took your girl, yes I wrecked your world. Ha! Tasted your brother, now I want some more. So come on down and save you a little more. Who got you? I'll cut your friends a deal. If they let me have you, I'll be done with my meal. <laughs> 
There's no way for you to win. Take a both of the face form claws on a whim. Pop out the painting and do a creepy spin. Impersonate your brother from his nose to the chin. Your feet so dangle as I hold you by the throat. And never play by the rules, even kick you in the scrot. Redecorate in my circus lair, filled with floating bodies and covered in despair. When I have a guest, I love to entertain. Then I gobble them up, introduce them to the pain. Manipulate mullet head to kill his dad. I think it's funny, but others say it's sad. Stab him in the neck and he'll feel tall. Kill them all. Kill them all. And now it's time for Blowing Smoke. And welcome back to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. I am here with, introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, my name is Sherilyn Lambeth, and I'm a costume prop and puppet builder. Welcome to the show, Thank and you. You know, welcome to Dragon Con. How's it been so far? It's been good. It's been busy. Uh, we hit the ground running, had a, one panel this morning, and have the Friday night costume contest tonight. So it's going to be a long day, but a good one. <laughs> so you know, you're... Primary line of work is you said costumes, puppets, and props building. What? Where did you get started in all this? I actually, well, like a lot of people coming to Dragon Con and other conventions, I was inspired by Star Wars, and I loved the the props and the costumes and the aliens and special effects they had there, and it inspired me to go on and learn how to do that kind of thing myself. Um, I worked for the Muppets. That was one of the best parts of my career, I guess I should say. <laughs> I got a chance to work on um, the Muppet Christmas Carol and Dinosaurs and meet some of the great folks up in the Henson Workshop. So um, that was a good experience, and I've had a lot of other costume and prop projects as well. With, with the puppetry, with, with the, the hints, I mean, are you primarily building, or do you get to do a little acting? Uh, primarily building, and I have done some performing. I worked with a company in Charlotte, called Charlotte, North Carolina, where mm -hmm. I'm from, called Gray Seal Puppets, and we made some puppets for various commercials and TV shows, so I got a chance to do some performing there. Because, I mean, puppets, especially Muppets, have always fascinated you, you said you've been on, like, the, the Christmas Carol and some of the, the famous When you're... You know, creating a character from from scratch, like where is there like you know they come to you like this is what we want, or it's like we want kind of something with this this feel. Where's what's the you know kind of the origin of uh, <laughs> what well, you're building? <laughs> certainly, with the Muppets, for instance, they are very set ways the characters look. Of course, mm. you know Kermit the Frog. You can't mistake Kermit no. the Frog, <laughs> and uh, so we have you can't to have a Kermit. suddenly have a mustache exactly. or something. <laughs> Unless it's part of his character. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when I worked with other companies, we were able to do some. New original designs, you know, certainly the client would come to us and say, I'd like something that looks like this. And we would work up a rendering or a drawing for them and get their approval or not. Sometimes things would have to go through changes. But um, usually when you're building a puppet or a costume or a prop, you know, you start from a drawing and an idea and then get your materials and go from there. <laughs> and and which, which is like for the creator, like something that looks more say a realistic uh thing or something that's just like I said a muppet cartoony which which is the more fun to work with which is probably the more <laughs> difficult to <laughs> i think for me at least making something that looks more realistic is a little more difficult because it's it's hard to get that sometimes it's just hard to get that skin tone for instance the movement of skin or uh fur it can be difficult and i really like the fantasy characters that the muppets have done and some of the other puppetry things that you see it's it's a really imaginative process, and I enjoy doing that. And you work in costuming as well. I do. What's uh, you know, 
you know, for the for the highlights, where have people seen your your work out there? I worked uh, on the costume crew for the movies The Patriot, uh, Leatherheads, Evan Almighty, The Hunger Games, um, and I do a lot of smaller stuff that comes through. I just recently finished a Hallmark Channel film that'll be out in November. <laughs> I also just recently did a commercial for State Farm, where they created a couple of actual cosplay costumes, like nice. warrior-looking characters. So that's out there as well. <laughs> So how did you get uh, kind of get started in, in in all this as far as like, you know, we're someone who's wanting to get into either costuming, puppetry or, you know, prop building. Like, where should they start if they want to kind of follow your your road? <laughs> I will say it. I think it's a little easier now to get into it than it was when I was first coming on, because there are so many YouTube tutorials out there. There are so many more resources now. You know, the advent of cosplay and the popularity of cosplay has really made it easier to be able to find resources and materials and to learn this type of thing. I went to school for it. I studied uh, drama and radio, television, motion pictures at UNC Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels, <laughs> and then went did a year of study at the Juilliard art school in New York uh, on costumes and wigs and so I, that's how I learned a lot of things and I also picked up a lot of things on the job um, my mom is a fantastic sewer she taught me a lot of things and you just learn as you go along and so that's I would recommend learn whatever you can yeah because I mean that's one of those things it's like I, I come to Dragon Con every year I don't dress up because it's <laughs> like I'm like I, I look at the stuff around here and it's like it's so amazing I'm like, I don't have the time or the talent to do <laughs> any of those things but i i appreciate uh the the artistry that uh that uh you know people put into so um and you said you're also an author and have some some books uh. i am yes i have several books coming out um i'm also a ghost hunter i do a lot of the paranormal stuff but my first book was haunted theaters of the carolinas and i still work with a paranormal team in the carolinas um, I've got a book about puppets called The Well-Dressed Puppet, a costuming book called Creating the Character Costume, and I've got two new books coming out this year, another puppetry book called Introduction to Puppetry Arts, and my first fiction book called Twas Halloween Evening, A Tale of the Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so we, we, can, we can fall down a hole in some ghost time. <laughs> what's what's uh, you know, What's your say your favorite experience in, in that regard? You know, people always ask us, you know, what's the scariest thing you've ever yeah. seen? And there was one year I went as a guest investigator with a team to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Yes. You may be familiar oh, with yeah, that. Oh, yeah, everyone's heard knows of that Waverly one. Hills, very haunted, an old uh, tuberculosis hospital. Um, and the hotel we were staying at that weekend was hosting a Toddlers and Tierras convention. And I think I can <laughs> safely say that that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, kids can be creepy on their own, especially if, if you run across one unexpectedly. Exactly. But, uh, but In a big fancy dress, like, are you Victorian ghost or pro uh, pageant girl? Uh, I'm, I'm confused and scared. But, uh, but I can tell you, um, there was one year I was working at the Lost Colony. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't believe I've... The Lost Colony was the first British colony established oh, in North America. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 the story of Roanoke. And there's a play telling about the founding of the colony and the colonists being lost. But uh, there was one night I was working in the theater and I heard footsteps coming up behind me. So I moved aside to let whoever it was pass. Well, they passed on by me with no one there. And the door <laughs> at the end of the hall opened and closed by itself. So. Oh, that's a, uh, yeah, that'd be <laughs> interesting. Um You've done a lot of uh, worked on a lot of projects from like, even the dinosaurs, uh, which that was a uh, one of my favorite shows. Oh back yeah, in the not day. the mama, yes. <laughs> yes. But as far as on the costuming side of things, you know, what is is there a different difficulty in say doing something sci-fi or original or trying to recreate, like I said, the Patriot, something you know historically accurate? Uh, you know, what's 
Is it the same muscle, or is it a you know, little bit more more difficult uh, doing that? I'd say they both have their own levels of difficulty. There's for historical films, you know, we're not necessarily as historically accurate as say reenactors would be, mm-hmm. and it it just has to look good on film, and <laughs> yeah. it just has to look good on film for about five minutes. So it's not always made to, to withstand a lot of stress and tear because you can always repair it. Um, some of the sci-fi costumes, you know, of course, they do a lot of armor, like many people do, and that's a process as well because you want to make it look like armor and be sturdy but at the same time lightweight enough to wear around for long periods of time so i think they each have their own challenges it doesn't have to actually stop bullets it just exactly. has to look like it will exactly <laughs> uh and and blood and dirt will cover up a lot of they, they do. Uh, You're absolutely right you're absolutely right uh, so um from uh we haven't talked about prop building yet yeah. so you know what's you know what you know what kind of things have you are you building for a when you say prop building? Uh, I've th- Things like uh, accessories to go with costumes, for instance. I know for myself personally, one of my favorite props is I've uh, recreated some of the proton packs you see oh, in Ghostbusters. Nice, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, I'm doing a panel on 3D printing at the convention later this weekend. 3D printing has definitely changed the face of prop building in many ways. Because whereas it might originally take you, you know, weeks, months to track down that perfect part, now you can go online, find the file, and 3D <laughs> print it. And it just makes it easier in many respects. Uh, I still like to get my hands dirty. I still like to find that perfect part. But I really do enjoy the 3D printing process as well. Yeah, because with that, I mean, you don't really have to be a computer programmer. There's so many other people that if like if you want something, there's probably someone else who has already <laughs> designed it. Is. Where it's like, all right, I just got to go find the, the program, the file. And, and print it out. And there it goes. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I came up working in the like haunted house industry, oh, too. So okay. I've... I've Worked around a lot of prop guys and just the the detail that goes into, you know, creating something that looks correct is like it's so much labor intensive. And now oh, it's like, very. yeah, let me just print this thing. And then it's <laughs> when all you have to do is paint it, it might, it might, uh, <laughs> it, it can make life a little easier. A little yes. Easier. And um, I'm a haunter as well. I work for or have worked uh, doing props for Scarewinds Halloween haunt oh, yeah. up in the Charlotte area. So I'm very familiar with all of that. <laughs> So is there, like I said, of, of all the things you're, you're doing, do you have a particular favorite? Like, what's, what's the, the thing, like, you know, that you're like, if I get an opportunity, this is the... <laughs> Definitely the Muppets. I, when, I always loved the Muppets ever since I was a little kid watching Sesame Street. And it had always been kind of a dream of mine to, to work with them, work for them, and I achieved that. And really enjoyed my time with them and would definitely go back and do it again, given the opportunity. Yeah, that's the thing, when you meet, like, some of those things that you know even as a grown man you meet kermit and yes. it sounds like kermit it's like just immediately turns people to, to children again oh it really does and i remember there was one day we were in the new york shop working on things and carol spinney of course it was the performer who did big bird came through and when he left he said play nice boys and girls in big bird's voice and to hear big bird's voice coming out of this man's mouth it was very disconcerting but also it was, it was great it was so is him. there a particular Genre or property that you, if you, you know, sky's the limit that you could go work in. What, what's something that you would love to, to get your hands on uh, <laughs> and work with? The Star Wars franchise. I actually do a lot of work. Um, I'm with the 501st, and nice. I've had the opportunity to go and work Star Wars celebrations and uh, some of the other uh, attractions that Lucasfilm has done, and would also love the opportunity to work with them given the chance. Yeah, it's like those those 501st costumes are so great. I mean, I've 
been working on a Mandalorian costume for years that it, it's never completed. It's like, <laughs> it's like next year I'm going to have that thing. It's like, nope, it's, it's, well, <laughs> it's and with the new there. TV show coming out, yeah, Mandalorians are going to be very popular. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like always the, uh, Every year when we do our kind of uh, post Dragon Con wrap up, we always say, "What is the costume of the con that we've seen like the most of each year?" I think so far this year it's going to be Scoops Ahoy, Stranger Things is in the uh, that you know I've seen <laughs> that too, or um, Good Omens. Yes, both of those. Have, have so far, it's still early. It's only Friday, so it's but yeah, both of those are still in the uh, in the running. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, for uh, like I said, you you. You said you just wrote, wrote fiction, uh, yes. uh, your first fiction book. You know, how how was that experience from instead of you know, you know kind of documenting <laughs> real life? Well, and I, and I say fiction book. It's actually a um, a spoof of a night before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a spoof of the night before Christmas picture books, kind of a coffee table book. But it's a tale of the zombie apocalypse written in that style, and it's illustrated. I did the illustrations as well, nice. and it actually started out as a writer's assignment, um, writing a drabble on the zombie apocalypse. A drabble is a one hundred word story, basically, mm-hmm. seeing how well you can tell your story in the short amount of of verbiage and it just took on a life of its own it became this whole poem and I had originally thought about self-publishing it and I was at one convention congregate up in North Carolina and happened to be on a panel with a publisher and was talking about my my story and he said you're going to self-publish I said no send it to me and prospective press is going to publish it for me nice so as we kind of you know wrap things up here where can people find what you're doing you know pick up your book you know where's you know i don't know how you, your social media presence you know where, where can people all find the things you're doing and and check out your stuff all, all my books are available on amazon so they can certainly find them there i have uh of course my facebook page sherilyn lambeth and i'm on twitter and instagram as Sherilyn lambeth and my website is sherilynlambeth.com and if uh you know people want to go ghost hunting you know, what was your ghost hunting group so we are the sh- yeah we're the charlotte area paranormal society and we do public meetups so people can come find us yeah, and then we're only like a month two months away from halloween so it's it's almost that time to get your the ghost hunting uh teams will get crowded here shortly <laughs> we already are we are booked solid uh well thank you for being on the show thank and you. You know, have a great dragon con good luck on the rest of your your panels and thank you i appreciate <laughs> thank it you thank here. you for interviewing me no problem have a good day and we'll be right back. Where comedy and commentary collide. Thunder Talk brings a unique variety show style twist to the fandom podcast genre. We drop music from some of today's hottest up and coming artists. We discuss topics, social and political relevance, and deliver our sideways take on the world at large. If stand up comedy, NPR, the Millennium Falcon, and classic MTV had a baby, it would be Thunder Talk. Thunder Talk is part of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and on all podcasting platforms. And now it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. All right. So, um, you know, as uh, you heard on the main segment, um, we talked about it. Well, uh, apparently the director is potentially planning a seven-hour-long supercut of both films with some newly filmed scenes. So, uh, you know, if three hours wasn't long enough for you, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think we just got through saying that this seemed a little long. You know what? To make it better, let's make it even longer. But, um, you know, so this is going to, you know, combine both Chapter 1 and 2 and potentially introduce some new content. So is that going to add a 
livelihood or freshen things up enough that you could endure seven hours of both stories simultaneously. Yeah, I don't know. Is that maybe if they make the explain some of the weird, like you know, disconjointed segments. Yeah, because having like all those flashbacks to the to the year after they they dealt with Pennywise just seemed seemed weird. I mean, if they end up tying those into the story somehow, who knows? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean these scenes haven't even been shot yet, so it's not like you know we're going to you know see them on a special feature or something like that on a a Blu-ray or something. <laughs> um. I was the whole like clubhouse too. It's like they never that was never even in the first movie. It's like suddenly they have an underground clubhouse. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, weird. I, I don't know. I mean, it looked cool as shit, but I'm like, where the hell is this in the story? I'm, I'm just trying to think. Could I mean, all right, you know, we survived the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I've did all three of those in a day. I think I could power through and do this. <laughs> At least, you know, chapter one, I know I'm good on because I enjoyed the shit out of yeah. it. Chapter two, I've did it once. I can do it again, I guess, you know? I mean... Yeah, I don't know if I'll sit through seven hours at a time. Like, you know, broken up over the course of a weekend, I might might make it through. But yeah, that seems a little excessive. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it just seems that way. Maybe it's just what the world needs. Who knows? So if uh, this thing actually happens, then, you know, we'll be sure to let the folks at home know. Um, But also in speaking of it, you know, we we, we saw the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5 on the theater marquee. Well, apparently uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's U.S. rights have been acquired by the Wes Craven estate. Yeah. So, um, you yeah, know, that last remake they made was just horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's been 35 years since they've, uh, you know, had the rights. So, 35 years passed. I mean, you know, that was the one signature that I wanted to splurge from from uh this past year's Dragon Con was Robert England's could he reprise the ro- role of Fred K? Absolutely. I mean, I think even someone even asked that at the con was like, you you know, have any interest in doing it again? And you know, kind of alluded to like, you know, he's game. And yeah, cause the, that remake they did a few years ago when they, you know, redid Jason, redid Freddy was just absolutely horrendous. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody can pull off Freddy except for Robert England. I mean, He's a bad guy that you actually like. <laughs> I mean, that was a, that was kind of the weird thing about Freddy. I mean, yeah, he's he's you know merciless and you know fucking vile and everything else. But it's like he, he he's one of those bad guys that it's like it's it's entertaining to watch. So you kind of want him to win, or you <laughs> know, you're kind of now. What fucked up thing is he going to do next? <laughs> As the older we get, we're like, yeah, yeah, kill those fucking teenagers. 
It's like the older I get, the more I agree with the horror movie killers. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, for sure. Get off my lawn, damn it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, you know, Wes Craven passed in 2015. Um, That's not, you know, Robert England could definitely do Freddy again, but who would write and direct that without it? I don't know if there's anybody there that could kind of recreate the magic that uh, Wes Craven did. Maybe a Rob Zombie? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, could he do it? Yeah. I mean, but there's a lot of people that, you know, absolutely hate his remakes of, you know, Halloween. I personally am... I mean, I thought the first one was good. The yeah. second one was a little little weird, but yeah, the first one I, yeah, I, I enjoyed. And his, like, you know... His like original horror stuff's always been kind of that. Uh, was it the the Salem the witch movie he did was that one was creepy as shit. Uh, but yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of curious. You know, and speaking of Rob Zombie, you know, I know he's done a a few theatrical releases of Three from Hell. I don't think that released internationally or you know yeah, anything. Some, like, you some, know, some small releases shit. That I've not seen anywhere that it, it's available to see yet. Um, I definitely want to want to check that out. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what goes down with the Firefly family. But what we do know is, you know, basically, if there is another nightmare uh, on Elm Street, then basically the final say would fall on the Craven Estate as to what happens uh, with the film. You know, because I guess the international rights are still owned by Warner Bros. and New Line Cinema. I mean, hell, I'd like to see Bloomhouse. You know, Bloomhouse has put out some good, you know, like kind of more, you know, smaller old school horror movies. You know, could, you know, someone like, uh, what's his name from Key and Peele that, you know, he's been doing some like really good horror stuff lately. You know, like a Bloomhouse or, or him, you know, might be able to, you know, bring something back to the <laughs> the franchise. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would kind of like to see a a nod to, you know, Fred K as we knew, you know, from the late 80s, early 90s, you know, before we had, like... Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, like... I mean, hell. I mean, speaking of remakes, this was one that was done nine years ago. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like it was nearly a decade ago. Oh. But so that, that's the opportunity we missed out of Dragon Con when we're, when we're getting there getting the autograph. Should have asked Robert England to call you a bitch. Just <laughs> having Freddie call you a bitch—that's like a bucket list item. <laughs> you were my wingman, and I mean, I was just kind of lost in the headlights. I was like, "Holy shit, there's Robert England!" Yeah. <laughs> just totally didn't think about it till just Holy now. Holy shit, you just dropped a hundo to have him sign a piece of paper. <laughs> I was telling my parents that story, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I I don't splurge for too many signatures, but you know, that was one that was like." I need to make happen, you know. Yeah. I, I you know, got my horror man cave stuff, <laughs> so it's like you know that that's just kind of a pinnacle piece. Uh moving right along here, something non horror related. Um, I guess I don't know, but you know we we got to kind of keep it spooky a little bit. But uh, looks like we've got an original Ghostbuster return for the uh, twenty twenty Ghostbusters. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, it looks like Ernie Hudson has confirmed that he will appear in uh, next year's revival of Ghostbusters. Speaking of which, freaking Dan Aykroyd was on Joe Rogan the other day talking about aliens and ghosts and all kind of... Cr- that dude is, like, out of his damn mind. It's, you gotta hear that interview. Yeah. So, I don't know. You know, uh, people may remember him as uh, Winston Winston Zettemore in the classic 1984 and its 89 sequel. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. You the... know, I, I gotta say, like, the, the hype train is real for this, you know, 2020, you know, remake versus, you know, what we got whenever it was with the all-female cast. and I've still yet to see yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't seen it either, so I'm going to reserve judgment, but, you know, just, uh, I don't know. When you have something as iconic, like as, as many original folks as you can get back to me just amps that level of excitement. Yeah, I'd much That's rather like doing see... a Jay and Silent Bob reboot without there being any Jay or Silent Bob. Yeah, it's like I'd much rather see a continuation than a a reboot uh, of these weird classic uh classic shit <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean that's the other big news is like the internet has like come out hardcore against them trying to reboot the uh princess bride it's like <laughs> yeah i saw that <laughs> one yeah. thing that can bring us all together is like you know no matter what side nerd me on everyone has an equal rage of like no stop fucking with the classics this is one that you know cannot be be remade Absolutely. Well, um, a, a, a film that is near and dear to our hearts that we discovered several years back. Remember a little film called Kung Fury? Hell yes. And, like you a know, true believer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, or true survivor. Uh, that was the song. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, the governor, or some may call him Arnold Schwarzenegger, has, uh, Basically, um, you know, posted a picture of himself as uh, the commander-in-chief for uh, Kung Fury (laughs) 2. So I don't think we'll ever see him, uh, given the current laws and everything, um, in, you know, current political law as president. But uh, at least in Kung Fury 2, he's going to be able to don the title. Yeah, that's kind of the perfect role for him. Kung, I mean, the first Kung Fury. I mean, he just... he does have political experience now. Yeah, I mean, the first Kung Fury was amazing, and I, I even saw a couple good. Uh, how was it? Triceracops at uh, <laughs> at Dragon Con this year. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see a, a, a another version of that. And Sweet Arnold, that new Terminator Dark Fate uh, uh, trailer they played in front of front of it looked badass. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, uh, so, you know, um, let's go ahead and take a couple of moments to talk about some movies that we're excited for, because I've got one on my list right now, and uh, it comes out here in uh, just a couple of weeks. Um, you know, uh, I, I gotta say, dude, I'm absolutely stoked for the next Zombieland film. Oh, fuck yeah, that just looks amazing. I mean, freaking Woody Harrelson in the White House smoking a cigar. I'm like, dude, like, I want to be Tallahassee when I grow up. If yeah. the zombie apocalypse ever happens, that's going to be me. <laughs> so, funny story. So, you know, Rachel's sitting beside me in the theater, and she's like, I bet you want to see that movie because uh, he's got a cigar. 
And, like, it had not dawned on her that this is Zombieland 2 yet, you know? <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, like, some other stuff happens. Some other characters appear. So, oh, my God, it's Zombieland 2. We gotta go see this. <laughs> like, I was like, Jesus, you just now caught on? Like, <laughs> where were you? <laughs> uh. It's like, does it need to come out and say Zombieland 2 before, you know, you, you connect the dots? <laughs> So, yeah, as she's trying to give me rash about, you know, a fellow, you know, cigar connoisseur, you know, she's like, oh, there's a cigar in this. I bet you want to go see it. And she's like, oh, now I want to go see it. <laughs> Damn right we do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, uh, I don't know. That That's one that I'm stoked for. Um, <laughs> the car with the minigun on the roof. I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yes. Uh, we talked about Terminator Dark Fate. Um it's been getting shit reviews as far as uh, Rotten Tomatoes is concerned, but the fact that it's getting shit reviews from Rotten Tomatoes makes me want to see it is, uh, you know, uh, Rambo, of course. Like, Of course. Yes, I mean... Yeah. Expendables Volume 5 or whatever it is. <laughs> volume 17. Uh, it's like someone's like... Like, he's like 70. How is he still doing action films? I was like, motherfucker, did you not see the Expendables movies? He's never stopped doing action films. <laughs> And he's on those roids, so he still can do it. <laughs> Roid rage. <laughs> oh, I saw I saw one of the uh, I think it was SOE Tactical this week was having a Rambo special. If you if you ordered something, you got like a free. Uh, it was the gun. It was a patch. It was just like the M60, and it said the gun of Rambo on the patch. I'm like, I almost want to order something just to get that patch for my <laughs> patch collection. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, any other news, tidbits you want to share with the listeners at home? Oh, I think that's all we got for this week. Check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com or on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at CigarNerdPod. You know, we're available on everywhere podcasts are found. You, know, you can pick up your smoking shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. You can pick up energy drinks at strikeforceenergy.com. Use the promo code CIGARNERDS for 20% off your order. And like a turd in a bowl, we all float down here. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>